0: All right, everybody. Hope you're doing well. I am here with Anthony Kumia. Now you probably know his name. He has been a talk radio host for over 20 years. I believe that's continuous. He was the co-founder and co-host of the Opie and Anthony Show and is now the driving force behind Compound Media, a paid subscription platform featuring many programs, including the Artie and Anthony Show at compoundmedia.com. Anthony, thanks so much for taking the time today.
1: My pleasure. Always uh, nice to uh, talk to somebody, you know, interested in, in in what's going on in the world
0: today. So we can do like big picture stuff. We can do general trends or we can do like this feast your funny bone conveyor belt of crap that the world is just throwing at anyone who likes to make a joke these days. What's your particular preference?
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, I do. Uh, my, my show is pretty much based on uh, getting a good laugh about everything that's going on. Um, it's getting harder, though, these days. There's a lot of things to make fun of, but uh, there's so many things that are kind of serious and, and are affecting people's lives. So uh, I, I do like dipping my toe into the humorous end of it, though,
0: yeah. I find, though, like the the, the dark comedy aspect of things is like, it's like Darth Vader beckoning you to to light up the, uh, the, the sky with the electricity of your wit. Like a joke I was going to make, but I thought was entirely inappropriate. You know, was I found out that Harvey Weinstein gave a bunch of money to Planned Parenthood? I was like, oh, I guess he doesn't like them that young then. But I was like, no, that's too dark, that's too sinister. You can't, you can't go there. But it's like I feel like it's pulling me down. It's like this gravity well of black humor, and I'm, I'm fighting it. But I'm, I'm, I'm facing a losing battle, brother. I'm telling you right now.
1: No, absolutely, man. You know what it is too. It's, it's like they're. It's like the the, the left uh, liberals progressives whatever you want to call them, they, they they task you. They're like, oh, can, can you put something out there? Would you? Would you dare make a joke like that? And and I I cannot get uh, enough of those out there uh, in, in the public eye on social media. Uh, just jokes that I know are going to offend and and get people. You know the the outrage that. Uh, that they get from it. I enjoy that. It's my life's blood.
0: Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, my, my concern, Anthony, is, okay, I can make some jokes. I can make some light. I can engage people with that kind of stuff. But I'm absolutely positive that, you know, like 12 hours, maybe not even 12, maybe two minutes after I release something Whatever topic I'm talking about that was kind of funny dark comedy is going to become so black that now it looks like I'm making fun of really desperate stuff. Like, I am absolutely positive that down this Weinstein corridor, down this corruption corridor in Hollywood... It's gonna be pedophilia, so you know that whatever jokes you're gonna make, it's like, well, it's it was funny with the information ahead at the time, and now it's really nice. and it's like you're just gonna look like a complete asshole after a while if you start making jokes, because it seems like this this escalator has no bottom that I can see.
1: Uh, it, it, you, you're right about that because sometimes uh, things change so quickly now, especially on social media and and the, the news wants to give you uh, information, whether it's true or not, uh, as quickly as possible. So you make your jokes, you, you you put your lines out there, you put your opinions out there. And then, yeah, it gets even darker. It gets even more tragic. But people will judge your post on whatever the latest is. They won't go, oh, well, he wrote that, you know, a week ago, and we just found out this week that it's ultra tragic. Uh, but, you know, we, we don't usually get the convenience of context which a lot of other people kind of get uh, on the left, uh, the convenience of context. Uh, so, you know, you wind up taking some hits for that, but- uh, and, and and over I time, of course, sorry I, to interrupt, like- but
0: like over time, whatever you did in the past, like when when the full ghastliness of whatever topic you're talking about is laid bare, then people dig that crap up and it emerges like a shark fin on a <laughs> New England beach because people are then like, well, this is what he said about this desperately dire, problematic, horrible subject. And again, you know, it's all... So there is this kind of self-policing that I fight, you know, this sort of political correctness, squid trying to shut me up for fear of of what might happen down the road. And... You know, it's a, it's a really fine balance to walk. I don't want to silence myself, but I am also kind of aware of how stuff looks. Should the topic go to its usual darkest possible location?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. I've I've made some posts and I've said things on my show and other people's shows that uh, you know when you when you cut it down to a soundbite or 140 characters there's no explaining uh, when, why, how you came up with this conclusion. So it is uh, some treacherous ground, but, uh, that's why I like, uh, I like no limitations on, on my freedom of speech or anyone else's. I like the idea that no matter how dark uh, a place it goes to, everything has its place in that conversation. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm for, Anything being uh, laid out there.
0: Well, and for me, there is this challenge, too, because I've been taken out of context. You've been taken out of context. So when you've been on the receiving end of that repeatedly, what happens is for me, I think I go a little bit too far in not judging other people. You know, it's like, well, OK, she says he grabbed both of her breasts and maybe he, this video, he, maybe he tripped. You know, maybe he was having a flashback to being in the crib and he was hungry. Like, I don't like I'm, I'm a, I am go a little bit too far, I think, in giving other people slack because I know what it's like to be taken out of context.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm constantly giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'm not a guy that will say that person should be fired um, If if somebody does get fired for what they say. Uh, I do go, well, you know, that that's what I went through. I got fired for certain opinions that I have had, but I will never, uh, start saying that people should be fired for what they said, uh, or any opinion they have, no matter how, how offensive I personally find it. Uh, once we start getting into that area and what we start getting, we've been in that area for quite a while now. Uh, I just never like seeing that. All it does is, uh, make people petrified to express themselves and that's never, ever a good thing.
0: There's a weird kind of vanity that goes around being offended too. This vanity is, well, we've reached the complete pinnacle of human achievement when it comes to ethics and society and virtue and responsibility, and therefore any deviation from what is is naturally offensive. And I sort of think back through history, you know, that the people who wanted to end slavery. Highly offensive to everyone around them. It's like, well, they have to be slaves, otherwise they can't tie their own shoelaces and do you want everyone to starve because there'll be nobody there to pick the cotton and why do you hate existing structure and don't you respect the, the ethics of your forefathers? You know, the guy who came along and said, eh, maybe we could have a world without kings and queens and, and aristocrats and so on. So, are you crazy? They are the lifeblood of our civilization. They are the essence of, like, everyone was offended by every single shred of human progress in the past. People were so offended by, uh, offended by Socrates, they, they shoved a whole bunch of hemlock up his nose and killed him in a jail cell. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the idea that every time we're offended now, we're in the right and whoever offends us in, is in the wrong is so narcissistic and vain, I can't even wrap it in language.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand how that happened, where people, um, they get offended and they honestly believe that they have a right to never ever hear from that person again <laughs> and that no one else should have to hear from that person again. Uh, to, to be so pretentious to believe that you can be the solitary judge of what people should and shouldn't hear. That's the thing that really gets me. You see these, a lot of anti-Fa people and demonstrations on college campuses saying that hate speech is not protected speech. And, and they will never tell you what the criteria is for hate speech, other than they hate hearing it. Uh, so yeah, we're we're in such a weird time now. People that are more passionate about a subject seem to be the most uneducated about that uh, subject, whether it be guns or or the uh, uh, First Amendment. Uh, they just don't really seem to want to know what it's really about before they spout off about it.
0: Ah, hate speech. Yes, well. Wow. I think hate speech is just boils down to one particular thing. Any set of compelling syllables that stands between the grasping masses and government benefits is by definition hate speech. If your Uh, words are standing like a superhero between me and massive deluges of government gravy, that's hate speech, whatever it is. Like uh, if you want true equality, if you want there to be, for instance, uh, no uh, racial categorization and manipulation of scores when it comes to college entrance exams, if you want the end of welfare, if there's things that that you don't like that the government has done, interfere with the military industrial comp, hate speech. It's whatever stands between free stuff and bad people, that's hate <laughs> speech.
1: What a great point. It, uh, that absolutely uh, fits the, the criteria. Uh, I, I, I've, I've noticed that um, people, uh, especially like on the college campuses, they, they don't understand the, the First Amendment. They profess to know it and, and want to express it and and always tell people what, what rights they have to do whatever they're doing. Yet they have a complete lack of understanding of uh, the First Amendment and the fact that hate speech, uh, what they deem hate speech, is absolutely as protected as a lullaby uh, as, as far as what we uh, are able to say. Um, so yeah, I, I, and people used to be, uh, petrified of being called intolerant or a bigot was bad. And then it was racist. Like things just progressively got worse. And the second you were called that, the conversation ended. It all of a sudden turned into you now trying to fend why you're not that. Well, they used it so much that it's so ineffectual now that they had to go to Nazi. They had to stop calling you a racist or sexist, homophobic, everything. They reached really the pinnacle saying, all you're saying is, I believe I have a right to say this. Nazi! It seems like they, what else could they possibly call people that might uh, uh, ba- make people back down from from uh, wanting to uh, voice their opinions?
0: Well, the, the in, in the past incarnations, they would have called people Satanists, devil worshippers, witches. I mean, it is a religious uh, aspect of things. It's just in the secular world, you don't have access to all those demonic forces. Nazgul! So you just have to call people Nazis because that's the modern evil. And this hate speech thing, too, when you think about it, there is... Let's say that the speech that you're listening to is egregiously wrong. uh, Wrong reasoning, wrong evidence, wrong data, or whatever, right? So then the correct term for that is incorrect speech, irrational speech false speech, speech unsupported by empirical data, and so on, in which case that's the beginning of the process of disproving it. Well, I think your speech is wrong. Here's why I think it's wrong. Here are my arguments. Here's my reason. Here's my evidence, right? But that's a big challenging process that requires you to do more than just bellow at the sky in mortal leftist agony. But what they do by calling it hate speech is you don't have to disprove anything. You just have to stand there and radiate rage and and hatred. You know, like if somebody uh, puts a giant fucking plunger in Eminem's mouth, he just sits there and glows with rage and resentment at his irrelevance. But um, so this thing, all I have to do is hate. I don't have to think, I don't have to reason, I don't have to research, I don't have to develop my argumentation skills, I don't have to do any of that. I've got to sit... And seethe you know I have to about as much presence as a potted plant in the vicinity of Harvey Weinstein, or hopefully a little less damp and and this just stand and rage rather than learn how to think is to me a confession of intellectual impotence. You call something hate speech you 're hoping that your emotion uh, is going to somehow absolve you of the responsibility for thinking, reasoning, and debating
1: yeah well that's uh, i 've heard quite a few times over the course of the years that um, you know, when, when you're voicing what they dub hate speech, that you don't have uh, a right to say it and should never be heard. There are consequences. I've heard that a lot of times. Well, there are consequences to your, your free speech. And, and there are, absolutely. But they should be uh, like-minded consequences. And uh, it, it shouldn't be you voiced your opinion, you now are fired, your reputation is sullied, everything. It should be a debate make me look stupid if my opinion is wrong or or you find it offensive, debate me about it. We'll have a, a, an open, honest conversation about it. And you can then make me look stupid because uh, you have a, a, a better uh, take on what, what, what whatever subject, uh, subject we're talking about. But they just want it silenced. They don't want anyone to hear it. They, I've literally watched clips I of course I've literally watched clips. I hate using the word literally. I've watched clips where uh, people have literally run away crying. Crying from whatever the person was saying. No other reason. They weren't hit. They weren't physically uh, assaulted. It was they they were hearing a point of view that they didn't like or agree with and they ran away in tears. That to me Besides just being hilarious to watch, is is just dangerous. Uh, it's it's a younger generation that is incapable of debate, incapable of looking at other people's ideology and 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 beliefs uh, without losing their minds.
0: Well, if you remember, this is sort of back in the day for us. Uh, younger people may not remember. There were these two skaters, right? Uh, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan, right? And. I guess they were in competition for – I don't really follow skating, but they were in competition for something or other. And rather than fight it out on the ice, according to the, um, I guess, paid off Russian judge's opinions, what what uh, Harding did, I think she hired a boyfriend, asked her boyfriend to to break – Nancy Kerrigan's knees or hit her with a something or a a club in her knee. That's back when taking a knee really meant something. (laughs) And this was, of course, pretty horrendous. And this idea that you're just going to physically attack someone uh, rather than compete in the competition called Civilization, which is supposed to be verbal, not, you know, fist-based, is really an astonishing development. I mean – for me, it makes uh, skating a little more entertaining. It's a little boring just watching all that twirling. But it is not a fair fight. You know, it's like planting drugs uh, in your, opponent, your sports opponent's locker. Ah, he can't. I win. You know, it's like this is not how the game is supposed to be played. And the people who bypass it or who attempt to undermine it are really undermining the whole thing that makes society civilized. It's just kind of this agreement that we're going to use our words, not our fists.
1: Well, these are also the people that uh, don't have any confidence that they can actually win, mm. whether it's skating or having a, a an open debate about some pretty uncomfortable topics. Which, um, you know, these days there's plenty of them. Race is a huge issue in uh, the United States, really. And it's I, just uh,
0: let me just make a note it, of that. I i not heard yeah, that long, yeah, but yeah. All right, race is uh, okay. Go ahead.
1: Sometimes you say something so obvious <laughs> It's like, "Yeah, of course it is." And it's uh, and it's the thing, though, that that no one really wants to talk about. And when I hear I watch the news and you'll see a, a group, a very diverse group sitting there saying and, and they always say what we need is an open and honest, real honest discussion about race. <laughs> and the second someone's honest, it gets shut down immediately because that person is now uh, hate speech. They're they're bigoted. They're this is that is this phobia. Uh, because no one really wants to hear the the honest truth when it comes to calling people out on um, what what they're doing or not doing or things that can really be changed, things that are important with a, a racial discussion. And, uh, you know, until that happens, until we're actually able to have that discussion, uh, business as usual.
0: Well, of course, it uh, only takes a moment's thought. You sort of wake up in the morning and brush your teeth and uh, look in the mirror and say, okay, What have I done so far today to ensure that there's a nearly 75% illegitimacy rate among black families? And the answer is, I've really done nothing. I've done nothing whatsoever to ensure that is the case. I would desperately love for that not to be the case. I'd love it to go back to 20% like it was 60 years ago when apparently, and of course, racism was much worse by any standard. What have I done to drive uh, black youths, particularly males, to such astronomically high crime rights? What have I done to ensure that there's massive amounts of black-on-black violence in the inner cities resulting in extraordinarily high casualties, like literally wartime-style casualties? Mm-hmm. Look, what have, I, what have I done? What have I done to push people into a life of crime? What have I done to push uh, a, a lack of focus on it? I've done nothing. In fact, I've spoken out about all of these things saying we got to fix the culture as much as humanly possible. But nonetheless, I'm going to get blamed anyway. And at some point, you just say, okay, well, then this is just a shakedown. You know, what What have I done to bring the mafia into my house offering me protection? You know, I mean, what have uh, I done? Well, uh, I guess I just have – I have some money. I have some resources. So I guess I'm a target. Nobody wants to have that honest discussion and nobody wants to give you that thread about how some guy, I guess a white guy – of course, the real thing is East Asian privilege, like Oriental privilege because they make more money – then. Why white yes. Ashkenazi Jews make even more money than East Asians? But somehow we in the middle, it's all our privilege and we must pay and pay and pay. And we're just like a vending machine. You hit a button of, of verbal insults, you hit a button of verbal abuse, racist, sexist, Islamophobe, homophobe, whatever. And we cough up some resources, you know, like some mom retching up a belly full of worms into her baby beaks. So <laughs> if, you, if we have this vending machine, you know, if the vending machine gives you free stuff by pounding on it, no one's going to put any money into it. You're just going to pillage it till it runs dry.
1: Yeah. Uh, and like you've said, this, um, this odd notion of white privilege being what has done this over the course of, uh, the years, I think as we, we look at, uh, uh, American history and, and from the beginning of the civil rights movement until now, I think things have only gotten better and more opportunity has opened up for, uh, minorities in, in, in this country. And, Uh, it's just, it just seems to have gotten worse as far as inner city crime goes and, uh, illegitimacy, uh, and which, which I absolutely believe is one of the biggest problems in, in the black community is this lack of any type of leadership and, um, a moral compass in in a family, uh, atmosphere. Uh, but if you bring that up or if I bring that up, it's a problem. I got fired for bringing that up Uh, in in case uh, nobody knows. uh, I was uh, fired from Sirius XM satellite radio uh, a little over three years ago because I was assaulted by a black woman in Times Square. I was taking pictures of Times Square. She didn't like that she was in a frame as she was walking away uh, and came over to me. Um, called me a white uh, motherfucker. Is that proper? Uh, I could use that terminology on the on the program.
0: We're uh, um, we're we're not going through any government agencies here, so it's yes. Fine. So, <laughs> oh, my my little white ears. <laughs> okay, go. Ahead. Yeah, yeah.
1: She started uh, smacking me in the head, so I'm protecting myself and my camera. Uh, left the situation, went to my apartment in uh, Manhattan, and tweeted about it. Tweeted about how this woman uh, went from zero to 120. Uh, as far as her jump to violence went, how that seems to be a problem in uh, the, the black community, uh, to some uh, respect, uh, in the culture, that this instantaneous uh, jump to violence from from just something that could be talked about on a sidewalk, hey, excuse me, I'm sorry, whatever it is, to violence. And I said, this needs to be addressed. And this is nothing I came up with. This has been talked about by uh, the clergy in the communities, community leaders, politicians, uh, over the course of decades at this point. But I said it. And I wasn't using uh, uh, plain, simple English. I might have uh, embellished with some uh, bad words. I didn't use racial epithets. But I was, you know, calling this uh, girl uh, a savage. She was acting savagely, uh, it, it smacking me in that I was being assaulted. Uh, I get fired for that. Uh, I said nothing in there. That hasn't been said for decades by so many, uh, what is supposedly the leadership in the black community, but we're not allowed to talk about it. Again, that open and honest discussion is not available to certain people.
0: Well, this, of course, is the deal that we talked about earlier, that if the transition from let's give trillions and trillions of dollars to underperforming communities, let's say, and it's not just blacks, there's others as well. If the answer is, okay, well, it's prejudice, it's injustice, it's wrong, it's bad, and it's everyone else's fault, then the solution, of course, is to give huge amounts of money. to to these communities, and that has been the approach for the last 50-odd years, in particular through the welfare state. Now, if, on the other hand, there are aspects within communities that can be improved from the inside, then that's going to reduce the amount of – it's going to reduce the justification for resource transfers. So again, your words, to some degree or another, standing between free stuff – and the people who, who want it. And this is why this narrative must constantly be opposed. And this is why, you know, I mean, I have uh, had a wonderful black preacher and other blacks on the show uh, talking about how black communities need to really work to, to fix certain standards. You know, black, black families 60 years ago, 70 years ago, way more stable then they are now far less illegitimacy. And uh, in the 1920s, black marriages were longer lasting and more stable than white marriages. And this was hugely beneficial to black communities and gave, in particular, the blacks growing up in that environment in the post-Second World War period, their greatest leap into the middle class that ever occurred before. And then the Democrats shuffled in to help with all of the water bombs of free fiat currency. And then you got the welfare state, the family disintegrated, as is the white family going uh, just just sort of second in in line. But you can't talk about self-healing communities. And the funny thing is, at the same time, people say they want to be empowered. We want to be empowered. We want to empower people. Well, isn't empowering people giving them responsibility? How can you have empowerment without responsibility? But empowerment just simply means I'm going to yell at you till you give me stuff. And that does not seem overly, maybe it's the Latin for empowerment. It does not seem overly empowering to me.
1: No, not at all, and and that responsibility and um, and just feeling productive in a society, uh, having pride in what you've accomplished uh, in a day's work or a week's worth, whatever work whatever you're doing, like that helps. That that makes people want to maybe clean up their their community a little more or their neighborhood. Have pride. There's uh, the 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 concept of shame is gone now. <laughs> There's something beneficial in people being ashamed of something, of, of not wanting others to see uh, what you've done or haven't done, how you're keeping up or not keeping up with, with uh, your property or, or, or your job. And that seems to have gone out the window. And it's it's given us these societies of, of uh, obesity, which is being completely accepted, criminal behavior, which is tolerated, bad guys are the good guys, good guys are the bad guys. There's no concept anymore of, 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 of a moral compass. Good people looking and saying that isn't the type of behavior that works in our society. It needs to be changed. You say that and it again, good guy, bad guy, bad guy. It gets turned around to you. You're now the problem for even pointing it out. So until that shame returns in some capacity, I, we're screwed.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so there's not a lot to say about there, but I'll, I'll do my best to keep it brief. So uh, shame is something that works when society can ostracize you. Right, So if you deviate too far from tribal norms, from social norms, then people, you know, they won't hire you. And and maybe you'll then go begging at a charity if you can't work or nobody wants to hire you, nobody has anything to do with you. Then you'll go to a charity and the charity will say, okay, but you got to change this. You got to apologize. You got to go and get a job. You got to get training. You know, we're going to monitor you and then we'll take care of you. But now with the welfare state, you get money whether you break social norms or not. And therefore, shame has become impotent because forced association monetarily is a violation of freedom of association. and It's freedom of association that gives the society its power to shame. And this double K line has been crossed, the Kim Kardashian line, right? I mean, she is the first human being, to my knowledge, in the history of humanity who has become, what, I don't know how much, hundreds of billions, hundreds of millions oh. of dollars she's worth. I don't know. Starting from a sex tape. Starting with Uh, a sex tape. uh, uh, uh. I mean, can you imagine? Like, Like it used to be if you went out with a boy in his car late at night without a chaperone, you were shamed. And now you can be openly rutting like a goat in the sunshine out there on the world, and it's just the launch point of your career. If you look at someone like Paris Hilton who also had a sex tape, she well, like, wouldn't leave the house. She's largely vanished from public view because she was so ashamed of what yeah. had happened. And I certainly, look, I don't blame the women. I mean, I don't know if they were, I think they were filmed without their knowledge, released without their knowledge, horrible, humiliating whoever, like the guys who did that wretched, wretched refuse of human beings. But nonetheless, the fact is now, if you're not self-shaming, you can't be shamed. And that's like a weird thing because it means people without a conscience, people without the capacity to feel bad about what they've done end up dominating and get the most resources and attention in society, particularly if they're pretty.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which kind of brings us to the, uh, the whole uh, situation out there in Hollywood. Oh. Um, the, the, the hypocrisy and the double standard uh, going on with that story is I, I'm loving it. Uh, I, I was calling it uh, today Hollywood Jenga. It's like it's like they're all stacked up. It's like all right, I'm
0: except you know to what the George pieces are made of, and it probably is yeah. about the right size. Come to think of it,
1: yeah. <laughs> like well, let me try to pull George Clooney out of here. All right, now we're <laughs> going to try for a Matt Damon, and and at some point, this is all going to just collapse. Uh, the the amount of people now that are being accused of. Uh, uh, sexual misconduct, uh, is, is going up by the hour. Uh, the, I think the only thing that I could save him is another story, another hashtag that might come out over the course of the next day or two. But, uh, this is something I think it's, it's compelling to people. We want to know what's been going on and happening. So, uh, I think this one's going to stick for a while. And that has been, uh, one of the most degenerate towns for, Probably a hundred years. I mean the the image of the producer and the young starlet on the couch it, 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 it's part it's ingrained in Hollywood and it's really happening. It's not just Waltz and the Godfather or you know any other number of, of producers or directors that have been betting these uh, uh, women uh, and, and how it ends, uh, I don't know. we you know we, we love going to the movies. we love being entertained. Uh, so I, I don't know if you, can you throw out all the people that are making good movies?
0: Well, it's funny, you know, it's one of these shallow things, Anthony, that, that happens in the world that if someone looks the part, the story is hard to kill. And, and if someone really looks the part, then they fit into our consciousness, you know, like Albert Einstein, clearly a genius, look like a genius too, you know, like the (laughs) wild hair, like if you look the part... You know, it's it's the Jessica Rabbit, you know, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn. If you look the part, and if you look at Harvey Weinstein, I don't often like to make fun of people's appearance, because, you know, you're born with what you're born with, you do the best with what you have. But dear Lord, if there's anybody who <laughs> looks like the creepy uncle you never leave your kids around, that's the guy. Like, I mean, I just want people to think, you know, ding dong, you know, oh, I need a babysitter for tonight, ding dong, and this guy shows up, who seems to, like, despite his wealth and his power and his influence, seems to have studied his fashion and personal hygiene sense that the feet of the guy who lives in a van down by the river on a steady diet of government jeez i mean this is insane like what a look what a horrifying look and because he so much looks the part and you see him like this sort of grizzled man mountain king of porn island stuff like with these beautiful little diaphanous women around him and so on the the contradiction the 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 gap the difference the distance is so palpable it's so visceral that it hits us, I think, deep in our reptile brain. I mean, the guy looks like, uh, oh, yeah, no, I'll be great as an extra in Lord of the Rings because I don't need any makeup in the Orc Army. I mean, this is like yeah, astonishing yeah. stuff. He looks the part so much that uh, it really clicks, I think, in our consciousness.
1: Yeah, yeah, it uh, it's it plays out kind of like a movie. He's he's cast as the evil guy and he, he looks the part. Uh, I, I see so much hypocrisy, though, uh, there with a lot of these uh, – a lot of these people just had to have known this was going on for, yep. for years uh, with him individually, but in the industry itself. Uh, and, and as far as uh, Harvey Weinstein goes, there have been jokes made in popular culture, movies, uh, the the thing we saw at the one of the Oscar uh, speeches uh, where they had made fun of the fact that he is predatorial with women and it got a good laugh. And the only reason it did is because people knew that was the inside joke. Uh, so then when you see people like Hillary Clinton coming out and saying that she didn't know, um, oh, Barack Obama sends his daughter to work at the Weinstein company while he's there. Like they don't know, like they didn't maybe talk to a few people, the secret service or what she's going to be here. Let's see what kind of atmosphere she'll be working in. Hey, what about, let's look into this Weinstein guy. Has he ever had like, they absolutely know this, but it's such a part of this degenerate mindset that comes out of Hollywood and Washington, uh, that it's just accepted. It's just an accepted thing that these people that preach women's rights and equality and diversity and, uh, all this stuff are some of the worst, uh, uh, offenders of these things. Uh, and the women themselves. They know damn well they're going for surgery to try to look younger because that's the business. They know that these uh, producers and directors are going to hire girls younger and prettier than than them, but they're still in the business. Like, it's hypocritical to me. Speak up uh, years ago when you were still a young, pretty girl.
0: Well, I mean, uh, what a paper tiger he turned out to be. It took (laughs) two full days and a bit. You know, the story came out Thursday, you got your Friday, you got your Saturday, they're waiting to see if it blows over, but thank goodness, thank heavens above for the alternative media who propped up this stuff, gave it wings, it, be- it believed it could fly, and lo and behold, it really did. <laughs> you know, we, we fart aired this hot air balloon right up to the stratosphere so everyone could see it. So Thursday story comes out, you got your Friday, you got your Saturday, Sunday, boom, done done and gone stick a fork in him turn him over he is history Uh, and that's really quick and it's like it's like there's this big giant guy oh no we can't take him on he's too powerful boom two days and everybody who knew about it and who didn't act particularly in the media because these women i think needed the backup of the media should look in shame at themselves should look in shame at themselves if they have that capacity which i doubt for the rest of their natural born life because they could have taken this guy down in two days this was not normandy this was not landing on the beach at d-day this isn't look at your helmet get shot through the head this is publish an article two days ding dong the witch is dead so everybody who didn't do that for so long fuck you very much
1: yeah, yeah, they are uh, in a way, yeah, responsible for however long it went on after someone could have done something. NBC apparently had that audio tape of him begging this girl. That's uh, just, it's one of the, it, it's sad in so many respects listening to that. He's just a pathetic ghoul in it. The, the girl is talking about how she was assaulted by him the day before. And NBC had this tape a couple of years ago, never did anything with it, and their excuse was it wasn't ready, it wasn't worthy, it wasn't. They, If this was somebody that wasn't buddy-buddy with them, that uh, didn't donate to the same organizations that uh, they, they uh, donate to, they would have put that on in a second. And it's, the, they can't lie to us anymore. Mm. There's no plausible deniability in the media being unbiased anymore. We kinda used to go, well, I don't know. They, uh, when, the, when the campaign was going on, that all got ripped apart. We saw them in all their glory for what they are. And they're still trying to have some type of credibility. Just be honest with us and say, we didn't play the tape. Weinstein's one of ours. At least at least we might say, well, finally, someone's being honest.
0: Do they think that they have that little pen from Men in Black that they can just, whew, <laughs> hey, I'm a baby in a crib. Nothing ever happened before. I'm in a just a little blur of now. I'm a mouse in right. a hamster wheel. Nothing. I mean, that's the weird thing because this was a sting operation, right? So this woman... Um, was, you know, she said she was grabbed by uh, Weinstein. Now it's the he said, she said private meetings. He, he knows what he's doing, right? So the police wire her up. I mean, this is like, this is cool stuff. This is CSI stuff. They wire her up and say, can you get him to confess? And she does kind of, sort of, at least enough, to, I would assume to get it going somewhere, except that right. ended up his, his lawyer donated, what, 10,000 bucks to the guy heading for like the DA. So they've got him on tape confessing to this kind of stuff, which is actual real stuff. Now, if that's not newsworthy, if a guy talking about grabbing women is not newsworthy, when he's confessing to actually do it to a woman who's pursuing legal action against him, do they not think that we remember them with Billy Bush and uh, Donald Trump? He was just talking about women in general. He wasn't talking about a specific incident. It was just locker room talk. Blah, blah. But they were shocked and appalled that this could even come out as a potential idea from someone. Blah, blah. You had a tape of a guy actually doing it, actually doing it in a sting operation from the cops, not some bus in the middle of nowhere when who cares when nothing was actually uh, alleged it was just talk so there's this weird well it's not newsworthy when someone famous talks about grabbing pussy it's like but you (laughs) we we just did this we just did this for like months it was all over the place night and day 24 7 it's the worst thing in the world and now we know why because trump for all of his faults i think is a fundamentally decent guy and when he got in And whoever, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Sessions, he's going after these pedophiles, this would never have come out under Hillary. We now know why they accuse Trump of so much sexual indiscretion to desperately keep him away from the White House, because once he gets in, this ball starts rolling. And now there's no political motivations here. It's just cover your ass. I mean, we've got Larry Flint now just uh, just really, offering $10 million for any information that's going to lead to Trump's impeachment. Ooh, I wonder if he maybe has any skeletons in his closet. I mean, I know he's in a wheelchair and all of that, but I mean, uh, the motivation uh, is so transparent as to why they so desperately did not want Trump to get in. This is going to cost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to Hollywood, guaranteed it. And if people don't think that people will make up lies to save hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, well, i got a great bridge in Brooklyn for you.
1: (laughs) Isn't it an amazing thing that that's what they were accusing Trump of and trying to (laughs) Get him, but that's the best uh, thing. Accuse
0: someone trouble, of what you're actually doing. That that gives you emotional energy and makes you right. seem more plausible.
1: And if you know that that's what you can be, uh, uh, you can be screwed over for because you've had these indiscretions in your life. Wouldn't you want to put that on someone else so it's it'll seem like oh you're just saying that because you're the the pervert and you're the one that's uh, molesting these these women. <laughs> Uh, I think it was very calculated because uh, all these Hollywood people, like, like we said before, they, they knew what was going on. So they're trying to push that onto the people that will start hunting them down and will start exposing them, uh, push the same type of violations on them so they don't seem credible when they push them back on you. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they've been doing it. They've been doing it for years over, the, over there uh, in Hollywood and Washington. Hollywood and Washington are like this. All the pictures. Well, when the you Democrats the are in
0: power, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that you get with all of them. They're all together. They're all celebrities. I mean, I don't think that's exactly what it was supposed to be. Uh, the government wasn't supposed to be full of celebrity, rich celebrities, which is what they turn into. But they have that same type of disturbed mindset that just uh, it's all for one and uh, they, they don't seem to have any real, um, I, I don't know, I, I, I hate to keep saying moral compass, but that seems to be what it is, what what we as, as the uh, masses uh, kind of work off of as, as uh, family and uh, just human beings in this country. They seem to be way off that. And, you know, who are they really representing at this point?
0: Well, of course, if you're the murderer, the first place you want to be in the trial, the only place you want to be is on the jury. Yeah. Of course, right? Because then you can manipulate the jury. If you're the jury foreman, so much the better. Uh, so, yeah, that's right. the first place you want to be is, is judge, jury, uh, judge, and, and jury if, if you're the one who's actually committed the crime. And this, yeah, you know, this brings me to Ben fucking Affleck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. You know, if if there's global warming and if it's real, then it comes basically from Ben Affleck bloviating and lecturing people on, on ethics and virtue and integrity and, and all of this kind of stuff. You can watch the stuff with him and Sam Harris on Bill Maher where he's lecturing everyone about tolerance and openness and virtue and, uh. and goodness and all this bloviating leftist democratic windbaggery. It's just absolutely astounding. I'm surprised we haven't turned into Jupiter, another gas planet, because of all of this bloviating. I mean, fuck methane farts from cows. It's like like regurgitating ethics from leftists that we have to worry about in terms of global warming. And this guy now, if you see the videos of him, I've never seen, I guess, outside of the second Finding Dory, a more convincing uh, representation on screen of an octopus. I mean, holy crap, how many (laughs) arms does this guy actually have? He's like octodad. I mean, like there's women literally cannot get away from him. It's like he's a team. He's not even like one guy. He's like a football team, cornering and, and slithering and groping all over these women. And this guy, has the nerve to, to lecture us about virtue? How about you're a good family man? How about you don't gamble your life away? How about you don't grab everything with tits that <laughs> moves? How about you stop destroying your family? How about you don't sleep with your nanny or whatever the hell happened with that? It's like now the beautiful thing is the people who've appointed themselves as the moral arbiters and leaders of the West are discredited utterly, which is wonderful because it opens up a fantastic market opportunity for people who have halfway sensible ethics and integrity.
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of what we're seeing. I think you're right when you said like if Hillary had been elected, thank God that didn't happen. Uh, I I don't think we'd be seeing any of this. I'm seeing this because I'm, you know, I, I, I believe I'm one of those that are kind of on the front lines of this thing on a daily basis trying to uh, speak honestly about, uh, uncomfortable topics and, uh, and get in hell for it, you know? Uh, but I don't, I think I see some things changing. I see less of, of this, um, cowering and just being petrified that you're going to be called something. Uh, and more people are, are willing to speak out against this political correctness, the hypocrisy, the, uh, the blatant lying. That, that has been going on for so many years uh, in this country that it's kind of refreshing. It's that, almost that light at the end of the tunnel thing. So it, I believe if Hillary was elected, we wouldn't see this Weinstein thing having happened or, or uh, a lot of the other things that are being exposed as hypocrisy uh, from the left.
0: And can you imagine where this is gonna lead? Of course, it's gonna lead everywhere. In, in Hollywood, but the, uh, the, the neutron bomb that leaves the set standing doesn't stop there because this is obviously going to spill over. I mean, the music industry, I got to imagine in many ways, uh, is even uh, uh. worse. Why did the woman from the Pussycat Dolls come out and say, yeah, basically it was a prostitution ring? Uh, the amount that's going on in uh, the music industry is going to be absolutely astonishing. Uh, the amount that's going on uh, in Washington, I wouldn't even be that shocked if there's stuff going on in academia. This is a massive... Purge that has, I mean, I've talked about it for years when after I first saw that Corey Feldman tape, if you've ever seen that him talking about like the number one issue in Hollywood is a pedophilia, Elijah Wood talking about the same kind of stuff. This is not just a house of cards within Hollywood, but I think also corruption within the media and the, and, and, and other forms of and the entertainment industry and so on, this is going to be like a a flamethrower that burns down half the world. And good, good too, yeah. because we need a little bit of raising and rebuilding culturally. And the funny thing is, this is where the ironic thing has happened. You know, there is this curse of the overconfident moralist that you become what you despise. And uh, uh, I remember, of course, way back in the day, the original social justice warriors were more of the fundamentalist and extremist christian right you know back in the day you know with the rap lyrics and there was of course this cliche it wasn't 100 percent, but it seemed to show up a whole lot wherein the people who were the most finger about ethics had the most skeletons in their own closet and that was sort of my original introduction into moral hypocrisy you know the jimmy swaggerts and all of this sort of stuff right and now, of course, it's completely switched. The the Christian right is le- far less so that way. Um, but now it is the social justice warrior left who've taken the place, who stepped into the you know plastic Elvis shoes of the uh, televangelists, and are now embodying exactly the same excesses and hypocrisy.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of that, especially uh, when you get a, the likes of James Vanderbeek coming out and saying he was molested uh, years ago, the Corey Feldman, uh, interview. I just saw one from a few years back when he was, uh, on, I guess it was the view when Barbara Walters was there. Barbara Walters is, is chastising him for, as she said, condemning an entire industry. Uh, when he said that Hollywood is rife with pedophilia and with, uh, you know, the likes of these directors and producers that are molesting children. And nothing was said about it. He actually spoke up about it, and uh, Barbara Walters is there chastising him. But who was and in he, power?
0: Who was in power?
1: Yeah. Well, it was that. The, the Democrats wanna...
0: were in power, and so nothing Obviously. happened. There are people in the media who want to do the right thing, and we know this from NBC and from I think it was the Washington Post, some of the other outlets where people had this story years ago and tried to get it, was killed from upstairs. Now the upstairs yeah. has changed, there's an avenue to get the good reporters' information out. So that, to me, is the big difference. And now we understand, uh, again, the opposition to Trump.
1: Well, when you see something like happen there with NBC, not uh, not running with that uh, tape of Weinstein, uh, that isn't just something that... We would never have known about that, yeah. just even a few years ago. That information that they didn't run with the tape would have never gotten out. But they've been exposed as such liars that... Uh, it it comes out now, the people uh, see it, they hear it, and realize, oh, okay, how long has this been going on? We've been lied to this long. And then when you have, like like I said, Barbara Walters chastising uh, Corey Feldman about that, she's part of that system. She doesn't wanna think that uh, all of her friends that she goes to these parties with, takes pictures with, are a bunch of, whether she knew or not, I don't think she wanted to accept that they're all degenerates. That that whole town is based on that, uh, and the fact that he won't even name names it, 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 out of fear. I mean, look, he's not working. It's not like he's going to lose work if he names these names. What is Corey Feldman's motivation for not coming forward and saying it was this guy, this guy? That like, why isn't anyone naming names in that town?
0: Well, I mean, um, it, it shows to me that it's a it's a huge and wide. And yeah. a deep issue. And, um, you know, now, of course, as well, the rise of the alternative media has meant that people are focusing less on what the mainstream media has to offer. And, of course, we all know with, um, with reporters, what do they want? They want access to movie stars because movie stars help them move product, right? It gets, uh, gets eyeballs glued to whatever it is that they're doing. And you, people only want to know about movie stars if movie stars aren't repulsive to them. Uh, aren't like, uh, oh, you know, like, nice mouth, good lipstick. I don't even want to think about, you know, what gnarled old tree trunks have gone gone in there. <laughs> and so if people don't want access to movie stars, or if they recoil from this ring of abuse and harassment that seems pretty deeply embedded, then the reporters don't need the producers as much. They don't need the movie stars uh, as much, and therefore they can uh, criticize them. Now, of course, that's not Corey Feldman's motivation. I, I can't imagine you know, get sued or uh, assaulted or attacked or who knows what. I mean, people have killed far less in this world. So, um, now what about political correctness? Right, because you've been doing this well, more than twice as long as, as I have. Uh, it's not often I get to feel young in this show, and I'm <laughs> a pretty youthful audience, but. So you were around, sort of, the birth of this kind of stuff, and because uh, when I was last in, in university, uh, it, it was not a very, very big thing. This political correctness stuff. There were still taboo topics, but uh, it, it wasn't so rigid and so so hysterical. So, yeah. what have you seen over the course of your career, Anthony, that that has emerged and how has it changed over time?
1: Just a, an amazing uh, change in in the years that I've been in. Yeah. uh, When I first started, you had to worry about one thing, the FCC. (laughs) That was it. That was the big. It's so funny. You never hear about the FCC anymore as far as trying to enforce uh, rules on content. You know, you hear them talking about mergers and whatever, uh, signal bandwidth and things like that. But never do you hear the FCC talking about, well, that was inappropriate. We're going to find this just doesn't happen anymore because. Social warriors and the politically correct cloud that's over everything is 10 times worse than the FCC. You would incur the wrath of social justice warriors way before the FCC would ever deem what you're saying as being patently offensive uh, on the air, on their airwaves. So uh, years ago, that's all you had to worry about. And there was a way to, to word things and talk on regular terrestrial radio to absolutely talk graphically about sex, bodily functions, making jokes, whatever it was, that shock jock kind of radio show uh, of, of days uh, gone by, that you could get around the FCC. And like I said, that was all you had to worry about. I can't imagine doing some of the stuff we did on regular radio, even on the internet now, or on satellite radio. We we'll see you Jimmy
0: Kimmel in be- blackface from, from back in the day. I mean, you, yes. you couldn't do that. He did that now, but he did that back in the day without incident, and now, uh, you know, it's yeah. a, it would be unthinkable.
1: It was all about, you know, a lot of sexual innuendo and all just guy, fun, beer-drinking kind of jokes and things like that, that now are looked at like you're you're reciting Mein Kampf. It's, uh, it, it's unbelievable. So that's the change. I think what we used to uh, think that the government was the one that was oppressing our uh, freedom of expression. Now it's us. We have turned into a uh, big brother. We, we, we record each other. The second something happens on the street, we're the first ones, we break out our phone and we start, didn't, when, when I was growing up, I assumed uh, by 2017, the government camera orbs would be floating around. And if you did something inappropriate, you'd get caught and that would be a a bad thing. Well, we turned out to be Big Brother all by ourselves. We rat each other out. We photograph everything. We willingly give out our information. uh, And and this never had to be collected. We carry around voluntarily our own tracking devices. and, and, And this is all done voluntarily out of this. Well, it's convenient. And it's, uh, it's good for us. Uh, no one's putting a, a sensor in your arm or a tracking thing. We literally will turn around if we leave the house and forget it, <laughs> forget the thing that, that puts us out onto, uh, uh, the web. We will turn around cause we can't go a day without it. So uh, that having changed over the course of the years makes it that much harder to be open and honest about uncomfortable things or or do jokes about sex or race because someone's always looking, waiting to be outraged and post it and try to send you into oblivion.
0: Well, it's funny, yeah, because when I was a kid, uh, you know, one of the big songs was Eye in the Sky. Turns out the future actually it was just a camera lens in your ass. That basically is what is uh, keeping us around. Yeah, that's- and this, it's funny because it, it to me it has all of the hallmarks of – Paranoid religiosity, you know, like you know, this. I've become much more friendly towards uh, religion and Christianity in particular, but there are aspects still of of all religions where it's like, ooh, you know, we're watching, and you better thought crime. You can't even think about, you know, any of this stuff. You can't think about. Uh, look at another woman with lust. That's the same as cheating. This self policing stuff. This nineteen eighty four stuff. That that goes on. This to me has morphed into this PC thing. You gotta watch everything that you say. Can it be framed? Can it be misinterpreted? And because there are these random strikes, you know, there's this um, kind of. I'm sure it's a real thing, but it's like a cliche in war movies. You know, like you you paint the target, and then the drone can see the target, and and then the drone can destroy the target, and you gotta paint it first, right? And now there are these leftist words that they use to paint their targets, you know, fascist, racist, whatever it is, right? Right. And Nazi and so on. Now the target is painted. And now the images are out there. And now there are these mindless drones, of the humankind now roaming around looking to punch at anyone who's been painted with these target words that are literally unleashing a flurry of fists on people uh, almost always, well, always unjustly because you should never be punched for what you say. But this is truly astonishing, and you're right. I mean, it's like we don't even need slave owners anymore because the slaves attack anyone who tries to step out of line.
1: Yeah, what a great analogy that is because, yeah, you get painted with that, and then the the mindless little thugs would come and do the rest of the work that uh, the person that painted you with uh, whatever they, they want to dub you to, to the public— that, that is uh, absolutely what's been happening. I, and, and as far as the religious aspect goes, oh my God, yes. There's this, whatever type of morality they wanted to uh, make uh, their religion, like, like any other religion, it's got its set of rules that you must adhere to. And if you don't, there are consequences. That seems to be what this is. There's a hierarchy. There's the people that seem to make the rules and the others that enforce them. And the people that need to to follow along uh, loyally, and and political correctness is absolutely a cult, if not a religion, it's at the least a cult that is uh, uh, just as detrimental, I believe, to especially to freedoms of of expression and speech, and,
0: uh, and a bloody whatnot. impatient one too. Because most religions yeah. still they'll tell, okay, well, after death, there's going to be a lot of problems. And the leftists are like, <laughs> I don't want to wait that long. Are you kidding me? I don't even believe in after death. I'm going to bring hell to you in the here and now. And, you know, and then at the same time as these guys are painting these target words on people and beating people up and hitting them with bike locks, we expect them somehow to be against these, like, you know, these, these Muslim Sharia compliance gangs uh, in some countries that beat people up for. It's like, I can understand why you're having a little trouble seeing that kind of immorality in the world because you're kind of embodying it yourself. Yeah. And this is all going to blow back. If you want to know why the Weinstein thing blew up, it's because society was primed by the Trump tape. And if you want to yeah. know why there's going to be this blowback against this leftist political correctness, it's because leftists are good at words and bad at execution in general. And (laughs) what happens is they keep priming all of this stuff. Well, talking about grabbing pussy is like the worst thing in the world. Worst thing in the world. Grabbing pussy, disrespect for women. And of course, it's bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not bad, but it's certainly worse to do it than it is to merely talk about it. And so when they have set up this whole hair trigger scenario, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like this guy setting up, you know, these laser things uh, that women's asses slide up and down in these <laughs> movies, like spy <laughs> movies, <laughs> right? And, and it's this guy, he's like, he sets up all these lasers. So he sets up all these lasers and there's guns everywhere and bombs and like attack pigeons or whatever. And then he's in the corner, he switches it all on. He throws the, the charger to the other side and he's like, oh shit, I'm boxed, man. <laughs> yeah. How do I get different. out? And <laughs> so they've set up all these tripwires. Ah, oh, disrespecting women, harassment. And they did this not just with the, the Billy Bush tape. They did this with all of these ridiculous allegations of sexual assault and rape against Trump and so on. They set up this whole trap that they now, and of course it was a last desperate ditch attempt, right? I mean, it was a Mexican yeah. standoff, right? So they set, they've set up all of this stuff where now, talking about grabbing pussy, which everyone understands is, is infinitely better than actually grabbing pussy. Now that's all set up. Everyone's primed, everyone's ready. The trap is set, and who falls in? You know, it's like the guy trying to yeah. trap the tiger, and he ends up uh, in the spears at the bottom of the pit. And this is going to happen over and over and over again as long as we continue to speak out.
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely the uh, Roadrunner and Coyote uh, scenario. <laughs> he sets up this elaborate trap and always winds up running into it himself.
0: <laughs> right. So... um I just wanted to uh, help people to understand what goes on at uh, Compound Media uh, and, and what you're doing there and, uh, you know, what, how people can access it and what the benefits are.
1: Great. Yeah. Like, uh, like I said, when I got fired from Sirius, uh, it was kind of a lifeboat at that point. I loved uh, broadcasting. I, I still do. I had a studio in my basement <laughs> and I, I went down there and was doing the show for a year in my basement. We finally got a place uh, two years ago in Manhattan and uh, haven't looked back, man. It's absolute freedom of speech. I I am not restricted by any government entity. I do not care about political correctness. We're a subscriber-based platform. We have a couple of sponsors, but we don't live and die by the sponsors. I needed to put together a, a facility that I and other like-minded people could broadcast from where we could not be fired. <laughs> We just can't be taken off the air. Uh, that's what I needed. So, so you wanted a
0: government job. That basically is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, okay, yeah got exactly. it.
1: exactly. Uh, we're not beholden to anybody except the people that we broadcast to. If no one wants to watch anymore, then we're fired. But that's about it. Because, uh, And I don't care what other shows do or talk about. I will never tell somebody, hey, uh, we're getting complaints or this. They do their own shows. And... Most of the shows that make up uh, so far that we have on the network are people that have been uh, tr- chastised by uh, the broadcast industry and the PC police and so it is refreshing to have a place that people can go to and hear uh, comedy, uh, political talk, uh, just a little bit of everything uh, and and not have to worry that uh, we're gonna have to censor ourselves so, I love it. It's uh, compoundmedia.com. My show with Artie Lang, who used to be on the Howard Stern show, uh, me and him do a show now from uh, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Thursday. And then we have all kinds of other shows throughout the uh, days. Uh, and it's just, it's so much fun to do. It's its exciting. It's new. It's so relevant right now to have this type of platform where, like I said, you go on, you, you're just talking openly and honestly, like they say we're supposed to. uh, And it's great. I I love it. Wouldn't look back.
0: All right. He's managed to achieve tenure. Beautiful. So um, I really, really appreciate your time together. uh, Sorry, our time together today. Thanks a lot. Um, Let us know in the comments below. This is the first time we've rubbed foreheads together, though I think only one of us is getting static. And um, (laughs) so uh, let let us know what you think. If this is worth doing again, I certainly would be happy to. But I really, really appreciate your time. Please, everyone, go and check out compoundmedia.com.
1: Thank you so much. I, I would love to do this again. You're you're a very g- compelling, interesting, and and a li- a like-minded uh, fellow. I like that. <laughs>
0: Thanks very much, Anthony. Take care.
1: Take care, man.